I want to welcome you to week eight of our look through First and Second Samuel. This is day one of week eight. Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and we are going to, this week, start with a famous story from the life of David. If I say David and, what fills in the and after that for you? I think about half of us, it would be David and Goliath. I think the other half, oh, there might be a few David and Jonathans out there, but the other half would be David and Bathsheba. David and this struggle that he faced in his life, this sin that he committed in his life. Why was David called a man after God's own heart? We see one of the reasons here. Uh, David trusted God with his greatest success, with Goliath, but he also trusted God in his greatest failure, with Bathsheba. He trusted God through all of his life. And these next couple days, we're going to take a very simple look at this story, this sin that David committed, and we're going to talk about what David did wrong, And we're going to talk about then tomorrow what David did right about what he did wrong. To begin with, let me read for you in uh, chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, then we'll skip a few verses and go all the way down to verse uh, 26 and 27 after we've read this story together. The Bible says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up and got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. And when Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. And then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants, and he did not go down into his house. When David was told Uriah did not go home, he asked, haven't you just come from a distance? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my master Joab and his Lord's men are camped in the open fields. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. And then David said to him, stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem the next day and the next, that day and the next. And at David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah in the front line where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. Verse 26, after Uriah dies, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And after that time of mourning was over, David had her brought into his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. And we all get caught up in temptation. We all get caught up in sin in our lives. As we walk through what happened with David here, this man after God's own heart who all of a sudden is chasing after just what he wants, We can learn some things about how you and I can be protected against temptation in our lives, how we can trust God in the midst of temptation. What did David do wrong? Let's go through a list of four or five things. Number one, he didn't go off to war. 
You notice at the beginning, when kings go off to war, he wasn't there. If he'd been off to war, he wouldn't have been there to commit this sin. David was not where he should have been. And because of that, this sin came into his life. In the New Testament, we're told that when Satan tempted Jesus, and Jesus said no, he went away to wait until an opportune moment. Satan is waiting for opportune moments to tempt me, to tempt you. So you and I, we have to beware. We're going to look at some several things to beware of in this passage. And one of the things we have to beware of is the opportunity of inactivity. Satan wants to make an opportunity out of inactivity. He wants to use those times when nothing else is happening, not for rest in our lives, not for worship in our lives, but for temptation to take hold in our lives. Second thing David did wrong is he sent someone to find out who she was. Now, I don't know the situation. It doesn't read like he did anything wrong in happening to see her when he was on that rooftop. Just look over and see her. But he didn't just see her. He looked again, and then he sent someone. This is the crucial moment in the temptation. He sent someone to find out who she was. You have to beware of the attraction of temptation. It's almost a suction. It's a magnetic attraction of temptation. You can say, I'm just looking, I'm just thinking, I haven't done anything about it yet, but it will pull you in. And suddenly you're not thinking, you're letting the temptation do the thinking. That's the crucial moment here in David's life. There's this moment in which you get out of the driver's seat and you put the temptation in the driver's seat to begin to make some decisions. And at that moment, you know where it's going to drive you. You know where that temptation is headed. Temptation is headed towards sin. When you put temptation in the driver's seat in your life, it's going to head you toward a sin. We all know this, but we all struggle with this all of our lives. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. So this moment, he hasn't sinned yet, but he sent someone to find out who she was. He put temptation in the driver's seat, and it drove him right into this sin. Third thing he did wrong is he sent someone to get her. Third thing to beware of is beware of the seduction of power. David's the king. He has the power to call anyone to him that he wants to. So he sends someone. He doesn't go himself. He sends someone to get her and bring her to his palace. David's trust in the Lord put him in the king's palace. But it also gave him this power to act upon a whim. And your trust in the Lord, it gives you great spiritual strength many times in your life, but it also sometimes can give you a power over a person or over a circumstance. The truth is God has given every one of us the power of choice. And it is a seductive power. This idea that I did it because I could do it. Satan wants to use that in my life, in your life. Beware of the seduction of power. Beware of the attraction of temptation. And then a fourth thing he did, he slept with her. Beware of the lie of sin. You and I are being told a terrible lie practically every day of our lives. It's the lie of sin. And when you look at this particular sin, this sexual sin that David committed, We're told all the time that this was the right thing for David to do. That's the lie. We're told by Hollywood, which has been proclaiming that Strangers in the Night is the most exciting thing since that song was a very, very new song, and now it's a very, very old song. We're told by television, where primetime soap operas present lust and adultery as exciting, while marriage is confining. It's it's boring. What's the lie? Sin is exciting, and marriage is boring. That's the lie. That's the lie. Now, you can see it with other sins. 
The idea that working for money is boring, but quick riches, especially if you can feel like you cheated somebody out of them a little bit, those are exciting. Sacrifice is boring, but selfish pursuit, that's what's exciting. Now, with every lie, there's a little bit of truth in it. And the truth is, there is a moment of excitement. There is pleasure in sin for a season, but the season is very, very short. So beware of the lie of sin. Satan wants to tell us this is the exciting life, when really, the truth is, it's the destructive life. And you and I, We have to beware of the danger of sexual attraction. That's what David faced here. That was the sin that he was facing here. It's a very powerful, powerful emotion, powerful feeling, powerful physical things are happening in your life. But the truth of the matter is, along with that power, there also comes great destruction. If I asked you to carry a glass of water across the room, that'd be no problem. But if I gave you a vial of nitroglycerin to carry across the room, you'd walk very carefully Satan wants us to think that we don't have to walk carefully in these areas, but the truth is we have to beware. We have to beware of this destructive power of sin in our lives. We have to beware of what it can do to us. Well, the next thing that happened isn't something that David did wrong, but it's something that he experienced, and that is she became pregnant. We have to beware of the consequences of sin. David listened to the lie. I can have a relationship with her without responsibility. It'll be the more exciting thing to do. Romance without responsibility. And it took David exactly one verse to find out how wrong he was. You see him begin to treat the nitroglycerin like water in chapter 11, verse 4, and you hear the boom, the explosion in chapter 11, verse 5. And you see, as we walk through this story, the harder that David tried to deny responsibility, the greater his responsibility grew. He moves from temptation to adultery to deception to murder, to having a hardened heart before God because of it all. So then he does a sixth thing. He tries to cover it up. First, he brings Uriah home, hoping that he'll go and sleep with his wife, and then they'll think that the baby is their baby. But that didn't work, because Uriah had too much character for that. So he had Uriah killed. Beware of the decision to hide. David was trying to run away from his sin, and there was more destruction in his decision to hide than even the original sin, as much destruction as there was in that. It was the destruction of murder, of taking this family and tearing it apart. The faster you run away from your sin, the worse it gets. It gets worse. And what we tend to do, what I tend to do, you tend to do as human beings is we run faster in the wrong direction. Healing is in the direction of confessing your sin. Destruction multiplies when we hide from our sin. Now, tomorrow, we're going to talk together about what David did right. How David dealt with this when he realized what he had done. But for today, as we pray, let's just have a time of honest confession talking to God about who we are and the fact that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short. Would you pray with me? And just in prayer say, Jesus, I admit it, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness, the forgiveness that can only come from the cross. And I pray you'd search my heart. Instead of being filled with pride or letting temptation guide the way in my life, I pray you'd help me to see your love for me. Help me to see your way out. Help me to see that you have a different kind of life for me to live. I want to live that life. I want to live in that light. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.